0: For those of you that don't know, my name is Frank Lucas. Uh, My wife Katie and I have the privilege of serving here. Uh, As family pastors, uh, we get to do all things kids and students that we absolutely love, Um, and I just feel really blessed that I get to uh, be able to serve this morning in this way, that I get to share with you. As we continue on in our series, Finding and Living Your Calling. It's a teaching series that we've been going through uh, since the end of June, as we stepped into the season of transition. Um, And really, the the purpose of this series is that as a church, we would understand that we are all called to something, every single one of us. There's specific callings on our lives um, in addition to some unique callings, but we are all called, and every single life has purpose. Every single life has purpose. Every single life has meaning. And when you find your calling and you begin to not only find it, but you begin to actually live it out you'll begin to experience life in the fullest possible way. It's got a long page that's going to be distracting. You'll begin to experience life in the fullest possible way. You'll begin to experience life in the way uh, that God intended since the very beginning of time. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the callings on your life, some of the purposes, if you will, and I'd like to real quickly this morning just recap, just in case you missed a week or two. I know that it's summertime and a lot of folks are traveling, Uh, so here we go. In week one, we talked about the call to be loved. Every single one of us are called to be loved. The first purpose, the very first purpose, when you were created, God had one call in your life, and it was for you to be loved. There's absolutely nothing you can do to earn it. You do not deserve it. There's nothing that you can do to lose it and you cannot be separated from it. You are simply called to be loved by God. In week two, I was able to share with you that we are all called to belong, to be a part of God's family, to be a part of his church. And in God's family, this is where you find your true identity. It's where you are supported by others and you're able to lend support towards others. You'll discover your unique value your your unique contribution to the kingdom. It's where you'll find protection and where you'll find care from others. And it's also where your life will become productive, all being part of God's family, you're called to belong. Then we heard about how we are called to become. We are called to become like Jesus. We are called to become modern day disciples. and We do this by simplifying our life and being patient, focusing on God and his word, remembering the reward gathering a team of people to do life with, receiving God's cheer and encouragement along the way, taking every step with an immense amount of intentionality, as well as remembering that what it is that we do not finish, what was begun in us and through us will be completed through Jesus. And last week we heard from Joy Johnson, it was a tremendous time for her to come back and to share. Uh, She is the chaplain at the uh, Rhode Island Women's ACI, and uh, she talked about how we are all called, every single one of us are called to lead, and I think sometimes we feel that the call to lead is reserved for a select few, Uh, but it's not. We are all called to lead, and when there's a door that's open in front of you, we are called as followers of Christ to step through that door, even if we're unsure of what's on the other side. When there's an opportunity that's presented before you, we are called to steward that opportunity well, and not just to lead, but to lead courageously. Again, knowing that what is begun in us will be completed through Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at another key purpose, another key calling on your life, and that is this, that we are all called to bless. More specifically, you are called to bless through serving. Called to bless through serving. We have the opportunity to bless people when we serve, and it may be physical in nature. It could be lending a friend uh, a hand as they move a washer and dryer. It could be helping cut the grass for a neighbor when they're out of town. It could be taking the trash out uh, for the little old lady in your neighborhood. It could be financial assistance. It could be financial Uh, support, it could be financial counseling, it could be emotional in nature, it could be relational in nature, it could be practical in nature. You see, there are a million different ways that we can uh, serve one another. There are a million different ways for us to serve one another. You were created to serve. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells us uh, that out of the 613 commandments, there was one that stood out above all the rest, and that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with every bit of who you are. But he also followed up with saying, but the second is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to love God and to love others. And one of the greatest ways that we can do this is by serving both God and others. When we serve God and when we serve others, we are, in fact, loving them. And Ephesians 2 says it this way, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says we are God's workmanship. Other translations say you are God's masterpiece, that you are God's work of art, that you are unique. There are no two the same. No one else like you in the world. And you were created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? To do good works. To do good works. And that good works is your service to both God and others. It's your ministry. It's your blessing to the world around you. We were not created to simply uh, be born, to take up space, uh, to breathe, and to be self-centered and then die a lonely death. God puts you here, in this place, in this moment, on purpose, for a purpose, right now. To make a contribution with your life to those around you, to the world around you, and also to the kingdom of heaven. And we do this through serving. In the scriptures, the word used for service is the same word that's actually used for ministry. I found this to be very unique. Liturgia, it's the Greek word, liturgia, and it means service, ministry. How you serve others is actually your ministry. And I think sometimes we overlook the way we serve because, because we think of it as not important. But what if we were to start using the word our ministry rather than how we serve? But if you're someone that has a ministry, that also means that you now become a minister. And I think sometimes we tend to kind of separate ministers from lay people, but yet that's, that's not the case. There are pastors, I feel I'm called to pastor, I feel I'm called to lead in this way, and to share in this way, but we are all called, every single one of us, everyone that believes in God is called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we've all been called to be bivocational ministers, bivocational ministers, every single one of us. And when you are a bivocational minister, it means that no matter what you do in your life, you do it for two reasons whether you're a truck driver or you're an attorney, whether you're a farmer or a pharmacist, whether you're an accountant or you sweep floors, whether you serve coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or you stock shelves at Target, it doesn't matter what you do, you do it for two purposes, to serve others and to honor God. As a bivocational minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything you do, not just some of the things you do, everything you do should be done for two purposes, to serve others, and to honor God with your lives. And so this morning, we're gonna look in Colossians chapter three where Paul says this. He says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, whatever you do, not just some of the things, everything you do, do it in the name of Jesus. You can take out the garbage as a ministry. My kids should be in the room right now. They could take out the garbage and that can be their ministry. And I think we we skip over this. It could be a ministry. You can change dirty diapers as a ministry. You really can, whether it's at home or maybe it's here in the nursery. I want you to think about that for a second. Sometimes people overlook the power of what they do and when they serve in our nursery, but you know what, when they're changing that dirty diaper and that feels like an awful job, and as a parent, I'll agree, I think it's an awful job, you know what you're doing? You're allowing a family to sit in here and hear the word of God and ultimately have their lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Changing dirty diapers has purpose. It has purpose when you do it out of love for others and to honor God. You can cook meals as a ministry You can clean your living room, you can build houses, you can make deals, you can play with your kids as a ministry, you can help a neighbor, you can even fix phones for Jesus. No one gets that, that's okay. Someone gets it, thank you. Whatever it is though, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You can do it as a ministry if you allow it to be. Everything in your life can become a ministry if you do it with the two purposes of serving God excuse me, serving others and honoring God. Menial tasks become meaningful when done out of love for God. If there's anything you write down this morning, this is what it should be. Meaning, menial tasks become meaningful when done out of love for God. The mundane, the ordinary, The tedious, the unskilled, what we feel is often done in vain becomes meaningful. What's meaningless becomes meaningful, what's purposeless becomes purposeful when done out of love for God. It doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter who it's for, if you're doing it as an overflow of the life change that you've experienced through the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ, it is now ministry. It's meaningful, it's purposeful. And the truth is this, the salvation that we receive and our serving are not separate things. They were never created to be these separate things. We're all called to salvation, we're all called to serve. They're interdependent on one another. When you become a believer, when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior over your life, you weren't just called to be saved, you were called to serve as a result of the transformation that takes place in your heart. You were saved to serve. You're a life changed by Christ on purpose for a purpose. And so what I want to do with you this morning is I want to share with you a few incredible benefits that we get as we serve others unselfishly. And notice I say unselfishly. This is very important. Um, I was going to do a show of hands first service, and I chose not to. I won't do it here. But has anyone here? Do it again. Don't, sh- don't raise your hands. But anyone can relate to this, perhaps. Um, you ever do something out of selfish ambition, right, and, and you're serving others because of something that you're going to get yourself? Um, Uh, Let me think of how to phrase this. I think about my kids in this way, okay? They do some things because I ask them to, um, but then I have to bribe them, okay? Uh, So we have some pine trees in our yard, and they have pine cones, and I drive a tractor, and they shoot out at things. So I always ask my kids before I cut the grass to go pick up the pine cones, and they don't move. They just sit on the couch, or they keep playing on the swings, whatever it is they're doing. And then I say, hey, you know what? Um, if you fill up this barrel with pine cones, I will get you guys some ice cream barn. And <laughs> oh, I, nice. Oh. <laughs> um, but you know what they do? They pick up the pine cones. All right? So it's not, they're not serving unselfishly. They're serving in a selfish manner. They're serving in a way that is self-centered. Okay? So we're talking specifically this morning about the joy that you experience when you serve unselfishly, when you serve selflessly, when you serve in humility. When you change the focus from it's all about me to now it's all about them and it's all about God, four of the things that you want most in your life will become available to you as you bless others through serving. The first thing that happens is this, serving unselfishly will create an immense amount of joy in your life. Serving selflessly creates enormous, tremendous, unthinkable amounts of joy in our lives. But the sad reality is this, is that many will never experience it because they're searching after happiness in fleeting things. They're looking in the wrong places. You don't find happiness in pleasure, power, possessions, position, prestige. You don't. Popularity does not bring joy. Success does not bring joy. Sex does not bring joy. Salary does not bring joy. Status does not bring joy. These things are all temporary. And some of them good things, wonderful things, things that God created, they bring momentary moments of they bring momentary pleasure. It's fleeting, but it is not joy. Joy comes from our love of God of uh, a love of God and others and how we serve them. It comes through giving our lives away. I remember as a kid at Christmas, my mother would try to help me understand this idea of giving and receiving. And she would often tell me that it is far better to give than to receive. And as a six year old boy, I had a very difficult time understanding this concept. She would give us uh, about $50 each and we were to go out and we were to help, uh, we were to do some Christmas shopping uh, for each other, for our siblings. And I remember going up and down the aisles And I was going, I was like, gee, man, I think my sister Katie would really like this Matchbox car, right? And I I convinced, I sold myself on this. Like, she really wanted this Matchbox car, right? Um, Or my sister Kristen would perhaps really want a Lego set, all right? Um, There was this one Lego set, I remember, and I wanted, I had 50 bucks, and it was like 45. And I was like, oh, man, she would love this, and she could help me build it. Like, we could do it together. It would be so cool, Um, But no, my my parents had to remind me that, no, 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 this is here, this opportunity is to serve your sisters. This is an opportunity for you to pick something out for them, not selfishly, but rather selflessly. And and then I remember Christmas morning sitting there as they opened the gifts I got them. I think I got them like shampoo and soap or something because I thought they stunk. But uh, I remember sitting there thinking like, my mom is totally wrong. It is way better to open gifts than to watch them open gifts. All right, like I, I was convinced of this, that she was dead set. She, she was wrong, 100% wrong. Fast forward 30 years. I sit now as a father on Christmas morning in my chair with my cup of coffee, and I'm like the little old grandma who just lets her presents stack up, and I'm like, I'll open them later. And I just sit there, and my heart fills with joy as my children open gifts. And just to watch them receive... Watch them receive the, the, the gifts that we've got for them and the thought and the intentionality that went behind them and, man, to serve my kids in that way, to love them in that way. It's powerful. It's powerful. That's how God wired us, though, to serve selflessly. In Mark, Mark, mock, in, in, in Mark, I'd never do that. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. I want you to think about that for a second. The Son of God came down, fully man, fully God, not to be served, but to serve others. To serve others in love. And so if we're created in the perfect image of God, I want you to think about that. If we're created in the image of God, And the Son of God, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. That means that we were created not to be served, but rather to serve. In order to receive joy through serving, there's a couple things we need to do. Number one is this. We need to take focus off of self and move it to others. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to be. You've got to shift your focus from inward, it's all about me, to outward, it's all about them. Have you ever encountered someone that's just happy all the time? That's just smiling? There, there's, a, there's something about them unique and special? I find more often than not that the people that are like this, the people that you encounter, whether it's at Dunkin' Donuts or the grocery store or here at church or your neighborhood or whatever it may be, um, I find these people are typically the most helpful people. They have a servant's heart. The more selfless you are, the happier you become. The more selfish you are, the more miserable you become. And then the more you focus on yourself, you realize how miserable you are, and then it just snowballs. It becomes cyclical, but the, uh, it, it's, just, it's just how it is. But the second point is this, is that the other way you receive joy is when you use your unique gifts, your unique gifts to serve others. This past week, I was, I was up on a trip uh, with some students. We went whitewater rafting up in the Berkshire Mountains and it was a tremendous time. Uh, only one kid fell out of a raft and we eventually got him back into a raft. It wasn't his raft, but we got him into another raft. Uh, white as a ghost, and I took lots of pictures, and these pictures are going to come around and haunt him for the rest of his life. Um, I wasn't anywhere where I could save him, though, so don't think I was, like, letting him drown. Uh, but we came back with all the kids that we went with, uh, which is a plus, and they're all alive, so that's even better. Um, but we had this tremendous time. But while we were on the bus going up to the dam where they were going to release a do- uh, water to make uh, the trip, the 10-mile the experience, awesome, uh, I was in the bus with all the kids, and we were all geared up, ready to go. And on walks these rafting guides. And let me tell you, I think I'm kind of a cool guy, um, somewhat. Like when I'm with the students on Wednesday nights, like I'm like, oh yeah, I'm cool, right? And I'm a little bit older than them. But man, these guys walked in, and I was like, I'm not cool. Like I'm, I'm so not cool. Like they walk in and they're just, they look, they're just dripping swag, like they just look awesome. And and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, I, I can't compete with this guy, I'm just gonna let this guy be him and I'll be me and everything will be fine. So anyway, Sawyer sits down right next to me on the bus and he starts talking to me and Sawyer turned out to be my rafting guide just graduated from college, pretty sure he has no intention of using his business degree from the college he went to in Vermont. He is definitely going to be a rafting guy for the rest of his life. But when I was talking with him, what I learned was that everything about this guy, he eats, sleeps, and drinks rafting. That's that's it. He wakes up in the morning, puts on his water shoes and his outfit, and he rafts. And then he goes to bed at night dreaming about rafting, and he does it again the next day all day. He's sharing trips about uh, time up in Maine and out in uh, Colorado somewhere and like all these different places. And at one point, at one point in our conversation, he looks at me, he's like, Frank, I was just, I was made to do this. And in my head, I'm like, you definitely weren't made to do this. Like in my head, I'm like, you were, you were called to so much more. You know, I'm thinking about teaching this weekend and I'm getting ready to prepare a message and all this. So like this, he just gave me this story and I was like, yes, I'm going to use this. Um, But I was made for this. But you know that feeling though, right? Like when your unique wiring, your unique gifts, your unique skills, you're able to use in a way that furthers the kingdom of God, you're like, ah, shalom, as it should be. This is the way God created me. This is why God created me. This is how God created me. It's a beautiful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. And in 1 Peter 4, uh, this is what uh, uh, what is said. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve not yourself. You see, sometimes we think about these things and and we use our gifts to serve ourselves, right? I'm good at landscaping, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to serve myself by starting a landscaping company, or I'm good at this, or I'm good at that. No, no, no. Use these gifts. Use what God has given you, not to serve yourself, but to serve others well, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything. See, when you use your unique wiring to bless others and to serve others, everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Each and every one of us has been blessed by God so that we may be now a blessing to others. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. If you lack joy in your life, if you are not happy right now, you need to get the focus off of you and start focusing on other people. Start finding a spot where you can serve, where you can volunteer, where you can give of your time and get absolutely nothing in return. Nothing in return. If there's nothing in your life that you're doing regularly, and when I say regularly, I don't mean annually. I mean consistently, whether it's week in or week out or maybe bi-weekly, but if there's nothing in your life that you're not doing regularly by which you're doing it simply for the benefit of those around you in a way to serve them and to honor God, you are living a selfish lifestyle. 100% you are being selfish. And God did not put you on this earth to live for you. He put you on this earth to, number one, love God and to love others. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You You have to you have to make a contribution, and you can't do that if you're focused on you and not others. So serving others unselfishly, it will create joy in your life, but number two, it's gonna do this, it's also going to improve your relationships. If you were to look at every dysfunctional, every broken relationship throughout the course of history, you can boil it all down to one root cause, self-centeredness. I want what I want when I want it, now. And you know what? The other person, they want what they want when they want it, now. And when you have those two ideas, what happens? They conflict. It creates conflict, but the more you practice, the more you learn to focus outwardly instead of inwardly, the easier it will become to serve selflessly instead of selfishly, and when you serve others selflessly, a byproduct of that is that your relationships will begin to improve. You'll start to see fruit in the relationships that you have, and we do this by taking on the attitude of Jesus, who came, as you recall, not to be served, but to serve. You begin to to live your life not for the benefit of yourself, but rather for the uh, the betterment and the benefit of others. If you want to have better relationships, learn to be a servant. If you want to be more popular, learn to be a servant. If you want people to love and care for you, learn to be a servant. If you want people to respect you, if you want more influence, learn to be a servant. Proverbs 22 says this, a generous man will himself be blessed. Now, generous not just in the sense of finance, though that's true, but with your time, with your talents, with compassion. Be generous with mercy. Be generous with grace. Be generous with forgiveness. Be generous with love. Be generous in how you serve. If you want God's blessing on your life, you need to be a blessing in the lives of others. You need to learn to be a servant. A third benefit of serving is this, serving others will make your life meaningful. The only way you find true meaning in your life is to give your life away. God wired the entire universe on this principle. A meaningful life doesn't come from money, It doesn't come from affluence. It doesn't come from possessions. Sure, those things are tremendous. Money can make life easier. It'll give you opportunities and open doors, save you time, all sorts of things, but money will never, ever, ever give you meaning. No amount of money will ever give you purpose. Meaning comes from ministry. Meaning comes from ministry. First Corinthians, Paul writes, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Again, everything you do, You serve on purpose, for a purpose. It may seem insignificant. It may seem to have no value. It may seem like no one else is noticing, but God is. Remember, menial tasks become meaningful when done out of the love for God. When we switch the focus from it's all about us to it's all about others, how can I love and how can I serve them, it creates joy in your life. It improves your relationships. It'll create meaning in your life. And lastly, it'll give you a legacy that's worth remembering not just one, but rather two. You'll leave a legacy here on earth, but you'll also leave a legacy in the kingdom of heaven. You see, hundreds of years from now, the only thing, I guarantee you this, the only thing that's gonna matter is someone's relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not how much money was in their 401k, it wasn't what neighborhood they lived in, not what car they drive, not whether or not, hear me on this, whether or not their kid made it to every single soccer game down at Bliss Soccer Fields, it's not whether or not they became a high school st- uh, sports star, it's not the promotion that you're killing yourself for and you're sacrificing time with your family and loved ones. None of that's going to matter. Hundreds of years from now, every sing- and this is unique, uh, not unique to just you. This is true of every single person alive right now. Hundreds of years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ. 100%, 100% true. And, and, and when we love God with everything we are, And when we serve others from an overflow of that love, what begins to happen is this. Lives begin to change because the people that we encounter, the people that we serve, the people that we get to bless, they get to experience the love of God through our actions. They get to be introduced to Jesus through us, not through just the words we say, but with how we interact with them. Proverbs 10 says, good people will be remembered as a blessing. So as we get ready to close this morning, I wanna ask you this question. What are you going to be remembered for? If you were to die tomorrow, would people say that you were a real blessing? That you really lived for others? That you cared selflessly? That you were sharing? That you're generous? That you were kind? or in conversations after your passing would people start talking about how, you know, he really taught the big game, but he didn't live it out. They were actually pretty self-centered. You only had your goals and you went after what you wanted. You didn't really care about anyone else but you. You lived your life and that was it. So, so what do you wanna be known for? What do you want your legacy to be? Is it gonna be one of selfishness? or is it gonna be one of selflessness? Is it gonna be one of meaningless, or is it gonna be meaningful? Those who serve others in humility will be remembered as a blessing. You know, I, I believe that every single person wants their life to count, every person. Deep down inside of you, you want your life to have a tremendous amount of significance. And all the people I've ever talked to, all the people I've ever met, I've never met a single person that said, you know what, I hope to grow up and be completely irrelevant. I've never met anyone that wants to be quickly forgotten. Everyone wants to do something great with their life. Everyone wants purpose. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should want that. You should have a desire to do something great in your life. And here's how Jesus tells you you become great. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. The more you serve, the more joy you'll experience. The more you serve others, the better your relationships will be. The more you serve, the more meaning you're gonna find in your life, and the more you serve, the greater the greater your legacy will be. Your, the greater your legacy will be. So this morning, here's how I see it. You, have, you all have three choices. You can either spend your life, you can either waste your life, or you can choose to invest your life this morning. The best use of your life, in my opinion, is to invest it in that which will outlast it. And hundreds of years from now, I already said, the only thing that's going to matter is someone's relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing that will remain hundreds, from years from, hundreds of years from now for all eternity is going to be God, his word, and his people, and so the choice is yours. You can spend your life, waste your life, or you can invest it in that will which outlast it, which is the word of God and his people. And so a few of the easy ways for you to get started this morning. At home, look for opportunities to serve at home. How do you teach your children to be unselfish? By being selfless. How do you teach your spouse to be unselfish? By being selfless. How do you teach your children? How, what, what do you model for them? What is it they're experiencing day in and day out? Next time you're tempted to leave the dishes in the sink, don't. Next time you're tempted to pretend to not hear the kids crying in the middle of the night when one of them really is and you are definitely awake. And guys, I don't, I'll, I'll be honest for a minute, I've done this. Like, no, I'm definitely sleeping. No, I'm not. I hear it. Just throw the sheets off and say, I got this. Serve one another in love. Next time your kids ask you to play a game, drop everything you're doing and play a game. (laughs) On on your deathbed, no one's going to ask, when when asked, like, any regrets, no one's going to say, man, I wish I put more in my 401k. No one's going to say, I wish I worked more Saturdays man, I wish I didn't play all those games with my kids. No, that's not what you say. Man, I would give anything to have more time with my children. So next, serve them that way. Next time your wife asks you to help straighten up after dinner, hit pause on the remote. The Red Sox aren't going anywhere anyway. The opportunities to serve are all around us. And the second place you can start serving, and it's really easy is this, is here at church i want to invite you to join a team. If you're not actively serving, you're not part of a team, I wanna invite you to take that Next Steps card, it's in the seat pocket in front of you, you can do it online at communitycovenant.info, wherever, before you leave today. Don't put off till tomorrow what you know you're supposed to do today. Take that card, fill it out, and say, I wanna join a team. One of the staff will be in touch with you, we're gonna help figure out where you can be best utilized and use your gifts for glory to God and to others whether it's changing diapers whether it's serving coffee whether it's cutting grass whether it's washing floors whether it's leading kids whether it's in production maybe on like wherever we will find a spot for you to serve we want to make it easy for you to participate in the restoration of all things through serving his kingdom this morning as we close out it's my hope it's my prayer that your prayer will be this that god what do you what role do you want me to play how can i best serve you and others I'm not asking you this morning to take a giant step. I know filling out that Kenneth card might feel like one, but it's not. I'm asking you to take one small step, just a step in front of you. And then when you're ready, take another step and another step. Don't be afraid to try it out because you'll have this overwhelming sense of joy when you experience what it's like to serve others in an unselfish way.